Donald Jeffries here with you. We're going old school again. My old theme song from TFR. It's good to hear. I won't back down. We will not back down. Uh, as it comes to be expected much of the time here, uh, we're having uh, issues with the first guest. Uh, we were supposed to have um, one or two women, I'm not sure, from the, the people that founded the uh, Rescue the Children, uh, a group that works with Megan Walsh, our very uh, popular guest from last week. So we're going to talk more about that. And they're actually doing something with Megan at six. So they can only come on for the first hour. But apparently they told Tony they were having issues. So I don't know if we're going to see them or not. I wanted to start the show. I do have a guest for the second hour, Charles Pixley, who's been on before. A very interesting guy. Um, Molly Madison, who says uh, it's dreary here in Northern Virginia. It certainly is. I didn't know I had somebody listening from Northern Virginia. Where you live, the, I, I, well, if you're in Northern Virginia, you got to be pretty close to me. So you know this raining. So good to have a... Uh, a fellow Northern Virginian here. Karen Carpenter, good to see. Karen Carpenter also says Mike Morales. I don't know who Mike Morales is. Am I supposed to know that? I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm not sure who that is. Uh, and Chris Buckin, there it is. There's the tech. We have a lot to talk about, obviously. Um, so if we don't get a guest, there's plenty to talk about the first hour. Obviously, with Tucker Carlson being fired, that's a huge uh <clears throat> huge event and uh, i wrote about it on uh, my substack and if you don't follow me on substack you need to it's donaldjeffries.substack.com bring the rockfin chat in here too um i protest just like the show so you can go check that out it was tuck tuck go tucker carlson gets canceled what what's going on with rockfin Okay, I'm trying to bring the... Okay, there it is. Um, oh, I see my guest. My guest is here. Okay. Hi. Hi, KK. How are you? Can you hear me? Hi. Hi, can yes, you hear I me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, great. Okay. I, yes. So it's just, it's not, it's not going to, it's just going to be you, not Sylvia. Oh, I don't. That's fine. It's it, either one of you is fine. What happened to your video? I was just texting her. I didn't know she was coming. I don't know. No, that's fine. She doesn't have to. It's it's up to. I'm glad somebody's here. Uh, I want to introduce uh, Kajal Emmet, who goes by KK. She is the co-founder of Rescue the Fosters. Um, they work with. Uh, they they try to. It, protect kids from what happens often in child protective services. And uh, they are associated, I think in some way, we'll talk about uh, 
Megan Walsh, who was our guest last week on the show. So did I get that right? Tell me more. more did I correctly identify what Rescue the Children is, KK? Um, yes, basically you did. Yes. So how do you, so do you work closely with Megan Walsh? Well, I'm, she's a part of our team. Um, Sylvia works more closely to her than There's I do. Sylvia. She's okay. I'm sorry. I didn't put my name in. I was just sitting in the room and I didn't realize I was supposed to <laughs> enter. That's okay. Sylvia Beachy, right? And I yes. see her, she's the other the co-founder. Yeah. Of rescue the children. So good. I know you have a uh, you have an event that you're doing with. Um, yeah, Walsh, last week's guest. Andrew. Tell us a little bit about that. What's going on at right after the show? So right after the show, we are uh, airing. It's a three hour fundraiser for Megan Walsh. Um, so I am her advocate and we need uh, funding for uh, attorneys, attorney fees. So anyone that can donate would like to help mm -hmm. reunite Megan Walsh with her children please come over to uh, rescue the fosters on insight um, after here. Um, and we'll be, we'll be having a good show. We're also, um, we're also do, uh, releasing one of the recordings of when I was a caseworker and I was, I started recording our meetings because I was afraid something was going to happen with a child and they would blame me. So we will be releasing that recording tonight as well. Well, tell us, so tell us about uh, Rescue the Fosters. How, how did this start? And, and tell us how you came to uh, start it. And, you know, obviously Megan had some very provocative things to say. I've written about a lot of this stuff. So mm -hmm. how did you come to, uh, to learn these things? Or, and and what, what is the purpose of uh, uh, Protect the Fosters? Um, so rescue the fosters. Um, it, I'm sorry, it was, that rescue the fosters. Yeah, that's sorry about okay. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I was I worked in the foster system for a, a little over five years. I was a case manager. I met KK at Elts Aidmore Group Home. Um, I was a staff member at that time. Um, and that's how we met. And mm -hmm. then I went over uh, to the uh, foster the placement side and I was a case manager for two years and then a transporter, um, a parent aid and behavior aid. And, um, I, I found that I could not help the children in the system. Um, it was a lot of cover-ups, a lot of, um, blaming the staff. Um, mm -hmm. and then when you did try, when you did have concerns and you, you did bring them to the director, um, I was either written up or put on leave or, um, you know, it's, it's just, um, the system really needs some help. So I left, I left because I couldn't morally work in the system and, uh, KK aged out last year. And when she aged out, um, CPS just basically drops mm -hmm. them when they age out. Now, so, what do you mean? She aged out. She got to. She she was a foster child. Yeah, KK was. That's where I met her. KK okay. and I met. Um, she was uh, at Elts Aidmore Group Home, um, and I was a staff member there. And she was 15 when she came in, and she aged out at 21. Um, so we've known each other for quite a few years, but when she mm -hmm. aged out, they just dropped her, and she called me and was like, you know, like, where do I go? 
you know, mm -hmm. they literally just dropped them on the streets. Well, tell, tell, well and I, I want to hear your, but KK, tell us, uh, I'm fascinated because so you, you really saw this firsthand. So mm -hmm. what, it, what kind of stuff did you see? Obviously it must've been something to help you to, to inspire you to co-found a group like this. Yeah. Uh, well, I was actually, um, I was astonished at what I, I saw in the foster system. It's not the same um, as a normal life. It's in uh, the group home, you know, you think of a st stable environment. It's not a stable environment at all. And in fact, that's where I learned about gangs and, um, you know, all of these things that I knew nothing about <laughs> before. So, uh, you know, the group home life is a tough life. It's survival. Um, there's lots of fights, lots of runaways, self-harm. Um, so it's not a regular day that the kids have. Um, I actually really enjoyed working with the girls. Uh, but again, I was afraid something was going to happen to a child and they were going to blame me for it. So I left the group home and uh, went over to case managing thinking that would be better and it really wasn't. But um, yeah, KK can kind of tell you what uh, group home life is all about. It's it's just yeah. not a stable environment. Well, I, I would love to hear that, KK, as, as a foster child, this is fascinating to hear somebody who went through this firsthand. I mean, when you went into it, I, I don't, you don't have to get personal about what your family situation was, but obviously something was going on where you went into foster care. Uh, did you expect that it would be better than what it was what did you see there that inspired you to want to help found this organization well for me like honestly i had no idea what foster care was i never really heard of it until i got into it but like with all the situations that was happening and why i got in it of course you know i was very emotional and um so it, that put a lot of toll on me, you know, just like the whole family situation. And then, you know, being around complete strangers that I've never met in my life is kind of scary. And part of me was like, well, I'm ready to go home. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to just be back at my normal life. And, you know, having my own room, I don't have to worry about sharing like the bathroom or the bed or bedroom and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm used to sharing that back at my old, like, in my adopted parents but it's different because these are people I have no idea and um like when you're in a group home or a foster home you're always around a person like a staff that's constantly like around you and so that was kind of different you know like when you live in a normal house like your parents yeah they're there and they protect you and keep you safe and stuff like that but you know they give you the privilege not like oh I have to be outside there with you but sometimes you know, your foster parent or your staff has to be there. And um, so that was kind of like some things that were different about it. And then just experiencing like, you know, fighting, um, gangs. Um, you know, I had a story where um, I wasn't necessarily in a gang, but I knew people that were like, I guess I was more considered like affiliated. So I knew a little bit. And um, so one of the girls and I, she was actually claimed to be GD, and I just knew a little bit about it because of the person I was with at the time. And there was another girl that was, um, she was new to the group home, 
And she want to basically talk about she want to switch over to a different side and, like, be both. And then my roommate didn't like that. So, like, for me, I'm not really thinking anything of it, Um, even though I'm trying to act like, oh, yeah, I'm a part of the gang life, da, da, da. So we end up fighting her. And, of course, I end up getting hurt. My roommate got upset. She basically, like, felt some type of way, too. But I end up getting the last hit. So I, I experienced fighting. I was actually in a fight, too. Um, also experiencing, like, you know, different girls liking me. And then I won. Like, it's just all the different scenarios. Like, you know, girls liking each other, trying to be gay or lesbian and things like that. Well, well did you experience any abuse? Did anybody abuse you? How did the, how did the foster system itself, the foster, did you see any evidence of uh, trafficking, which is, of course, we were really concerned well, with? Well, yes, I did. I actually did because, um, so there would, at the time, I didn't know, like, who was the pimp, but then we found out who was the pimp, and she would basically bring girls with them to run away, and they would, run away with her and was the know, pimp they... the pimp was associated with the foster care yeah wow she was a girl in the group home yeah she lived in the group home wow yeah and so, did, did did the people running it did shouldn't they've had some idea or they just looked the other way or were they part of it they, honestly i don't think they really cared they they just cared more about bringing right. girls in and ha getting money honestly that's how they looked at it mm -hmm. so the how much so it, it pays right so how much do you i know uh, foster parents get paid a certain amount how, how, like cps itself how how does that work mm -hmm. what kind of uh, financial uh, windfalls to, what do they get from this how, what kind of money do they get from the from bringing kids in well, it's a lot more than people even imagine. Uh, and this was what I learned when I went over to case managing, because in the group home, you don't know how much the agency is getting. You you hear rumors and you uh, and the kids usually know a lot more than the staff does. But uh, when I went over to case managing is when I learned because we had to apply for the waivers. So when a foster kid goes into foster when a kid goes into foster care a case manager has to apply for these waivers uh which is basically um money from the title 4e funding um and so how that works is it's based on the behaviors of the child so if the child has is a runaway or if it ha or sets traffic or um any type of behaviors, they get more money. Um, so if you have um, a runner and KK was a runner, so she was considered higher risk. Um, so they would, that's considered an MWO instead of like a base. Um, so you would get, they'd get about 200 a day per child. Um, and then if you're base, it's like 135 a day per child. And then what, how that works is they basically give the foster parent. So in the group home, they just keep it in the agency, but in the foster home, they pay the, uh, foster parent $60 a day, 60. And, and they do negotiate because those foster parents will be like, well, I'm not taking this job unless you give me 75 a day or a hundred a day. Yeah. And they do negotiate. So you are negotiating prices when you place a child in the home. Um, and then, um, 
So, of course, based on those behaviors. So the thing is, is that they want you to make the child sound worse. You know, like they want you to say they're a runner, they're self-harm, they're defiant because that gives them more funding. Really? They get more. So they get they get paid more based on how troubled the child is. Yes, because it's uh, supposed to be. Uh, they they need more care, right? Because if mm-hmm. if you got a child right. that's always running away, then you're going to need to care for them. You're going to need to provide more care. So then they they get more funding, and then they get you know then you have the psych psychiatrist, the therapist, mm-hmm. the behavior aid, you know, so on. So there's quite a few um, quite a few jobs. Well, where where does the uh the kind of really horrible stuff come from. I don't know how much of that you saw. I, I talk a lot about uh, Nancy Schaefer, who was uh, in the Georgia CPS and I think was murdered along with her husband. They both mm-hmm. died, you know, supposedly a suicide, but they were, mm-hmm. she was about the most vocal, vocal critic of CPS out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was, uh, you know, alleging, you know, really widespread child sex trafficking. But what did you see in regards to that and how, how widespread is that? And is it, is it just, certain states or all states? Is it a national thing? How, how do you think that's that, that works? It's a national thing. Um, I don't know how to explain the environment other than it's not a stable environment. It's not a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, there is no nurture. There is no love. Um, it's basically... Um, and especially, I mean, you don't get me wrong. There are some foster parents that are sure. are doing it for the right reasons, but they're, I will tell you, they're far and few between because think about it. If you have three kids in a house and you're getting $60 a day, if you do the math on it, it's almost six grand a month. And that's, that's just at the lowest rate. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of these foster parents do it for the money. It's not for the the kids and then there's no oversight there's no accountability and case managers only see the kid the parents uh for a 30 minute session once a month so Hmm. anybody can pretend and anybody can act like they're doing a good job in fact every foster parent i met at the very beginning i loved them i was like oh this is the best parent ever Mm -hmm. and then started working with them and they don't pick up the kids when they act out they don't uh you're basically handed the kid. The kid was riding around with me all day long. Um, so it's not, it's not a stable environment. Uh, well, and what I, you, you said, they don't check on them enough. And I, what I find remarkable is CPS has harassed so many parents. I, I've had, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you saw those shows or not, but I've had uh, Tamsin and Reggie Bowles on my show a couple times who've had their kids taken away twice. And they, you know, they've mm-hmm. talked about how, Everybody, the sheriff and the local, you know, they can't get the local media to publicize it. But uh, so many people like that that I've heard from that who's uh, they act on a tip from a neighbor or you know, in the old mm-hmm. days, they might uh, they might have a photo developer back when you used to develop photos that have a picture of a, you know, a baby in a bubble bath naked. And they would come and investigate that and have that hanging over your head, something perfectly normal. So they seem to harass uh, sometimes parents who have some questionable things, or maybe mm-hmm. in the case of the bowls, they, their kids weren't vaccinated. But mm-hmm. you're telling me once they become, they hand it off to foster parents, then they're kind of hands off and they don't really monitor it very well at all. 
Yeah, no, that's correct. And they and they do treat uh, biological parents differently than they teach foster parents. This was another huge concern I had, and that was because I did have complaints about the foster parents, and I did report them, and they were not followed through. And uh, if it was the biological parent and it had been the same issue, then they would have been, there would have been somebody in there, and there would have been pulling that child out. That's exactly opposite to what it should be. That's so, Mm -hmm. that's so ridiculous. But I guess it, you know, it goes along with everything else we talk about. I talk about and write about all the time where there's a, it's really part of an agenda to try to break nuclear families up. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense that they want to encourage this. I mean, they should be, CPS should be looked at, you know, really when you've had yeah. all these allegations and, 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 and I, I'm sorry, we seem to have lost KK. I know she had a, I know she was having Wi-Fi problems. Right. So she may have gone offline. She might come back. Before I forget, there's a question for you from Harlan Stonewall. What platform will your three hour show be on later? I, I'll give you a chance to promote it, but just while I'm thinking of it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's on Rumble and Foxhole. Uh, it's insight. I N S I T E with Gino. Um, so it'll be on both and, um, you can find us on Twitter, uh, which we've been posting a lot of the links today. So if you go on Twitter, it's rescue the fosters. Um, and then we're on Instagram and, um, truth. You can see white wolf has seen, he says he's seen some of the group homes in, I guess, Kansas city, Missouri. They were drug emporiums, absolutely no oversight and treat everybody like a four-year-old. I mean, that's just, it's just hard to believe. I'm not, I'm, not for me, because I write about this all the time, but when you, before you, uh, so you were like a caseworker. Did you start out as a, uh, as just a nice liberal and you want to help people, social justice warrior maybe. And then mm-hmm. this must've been really disillusioning to you, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because I started out mentoring. So I was mentoring one of the girls from the group home. And basically, and this is somebody, anyone can do this. You can call up your local group homes. You got them in every town, every city. They're there. Uh, You just pull them up. You say, hey, I want to mentor a child. And they'll do a background on you. You meet the child. But what this is another thing that when a child is taken into care, they are removed from communication with their family so they don't they only receive one 15 minute call a day to their family and that's it Um, and then there's no time off the campus you know so basically what I was doing was I was taking her out for two hours a week and we would go to movies we would go to shopping or we'd go to dinner or something like that and uh, a position opened up at the group home you don't need a degree um, I had no degree at the time. Mm. I was uh, I was a travel agent, um, and mm. I really enjoyed working with the girls. So I applied for social work um, at, at UGA, and I worked on my degree. I, I received my bachelor's in uh, social work while I was working at the group social home. Work, sure. Mm-hmm. So so this is again I, anybody that goes in this field usually starts out that way. So you definitely mm-hmm. started out differently politically. Uh, in Rockfin, we have uh, Christy um, Ripperger over there. And, I said, and Christy, you're too generous. You're tipping all the time. Thank you. Uh, she says, this makes me want to become a foster parent, not for the money. I considered it several years ago, and coworkers who had previously been foster parents convinced me that it was a bad idea. Do the guests have any advice? Any advice for well, Christy? I think if you are 
in it for the children, you should. Now, they do give the, the good ones a tough time, I will tell you that. But, and, um, and this is the problem because they do treat the foster parents just like the workers. So if you're a good parent that is showing nurture to a child, you have to really watch yourself because they turn it around on you. Uh, because, you know, that's kind of what they've done is they've taken all the nurture out of the foster system, you know, and they kind of do like a big bubble right here, you know. Um, so I, I definitely think kids need good foster parents and there are kids in the system that do need help. The problem is, is that we've overcrowded this system with too many kids and not enough homes. And that's because we're taking the kids that don't need to be in the system and we're usually not removing the ones that do need to be in the system. White Wolf wants to hear you describe the whole modus operandi. I'm not sure what he means by that, but... Uh... I'm not sure either. <laughs> well, I guess maybe he's saying like, is there, um, what do you think the motive? And again, you're coming, you're, I'm, I'm looking at you and thinking maybe you're kind of a starry eyed. Uh, you want to go into social services. Again, I, I, people that go into that have a certain mindset. You want to help mm -hmm. people, but you're probably basically liberal. And uh, you come into this and you, you run up against these things that probably shock you. Um, so what, what is your view, big picture, when you start uh, rescue the fosters? Um, how do you plan to rescue them, and what what do you think you're rescuing them from? Do you just think the system is is totally corrupt? Can it be fixed, or do you just need to be scrapped and put have something completely indifferent? It needs to be scrapped. Yeah. Um, but what you're right, I, I was a liberal. I, I I mean, I have pictures of me uh, on the on the. Else, a more campus with a purple, you know, rainbow hat and feathers sure. and uh, <laughs> pushing the LGBTQ community mm -hmm. and and, sure. and saying that, yeah, we are helping the kids when in fact we were hurting the kids. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea until I was in the system completely. And it took me about four years to even realize what was going on. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of like you're uh, you, it's a wake up call. Um, and yep. um, I'm afraid that uh, America is waking up too slowly, uh, especially for our for our youth. And, and the other thing that I didn't realize was that we had a sex trafficking issue until I was yeah. in the foster system. I, I thought there was just one or two kids that came in that were sex trafficked. And then it turned out that every kid that was coming in was sexually abused or sex trafficked. And it was only a few that weren't. And that's when I started realizing that we had a problem. The other thing I had no idea about was the psychotropic medication that they put these kids on. Sure. Um, I, you know, I was, uh, I didn't believe in medication. You don't put kids on medication. Uh, and all of a sudden, every kid that's coming in is diagnosed with uh, oppositional defiant disorder and placed on some type of tropic medication that makes right. them more aggressive or suicidal. Oh, we see abuse of that in the, in the, you know, basically in the school systems as well. Everybody's on mm -hmm. Ritalin and Adderall. Adderall, uh, Christy uh, says, uh, does she understand correctly the system does not want nurturing father parents? Do foster parents ever mm -hmm. adopt their foster children? Yeah, they do. Uh, they do. Foster, they, yeah, but so there are different types of foster parents. So there are parents that say that they will adopt and parents that say they don't. There's not a lot of them that adopt, but there are a few of them that do. Um, what was the question? 
well, she said, does, does the system, the system doesn't, does not want nurturing foster parents? No. Yeah. That's incredible. It really is. So the good ones that are there, they have to, they have to fight. Yeah. And they have to really want to do this because they must recognize how the system is. Yeah. I had one uh, foster parent that I really uh, thought she was there for the right reasons. And she told me that they were constantly telling her that she cared too much and she was too nurturing. Heartland Stone will ask what state were they in? I guess he means you. What I guess uh, we're in Georgia. George, oh, well, then you definitely know about Nancy Schaefer if you're in Georgia. Yes. I mean, that was, oh yeah, that was, I love I love Nancy Schaefer's work. Yes. So did so you you had so you've been awake for a while then because she was she died a while back. It's probably been ten years or so. It's hasn't been it, ten or? years. Well, not, not as long as I should have been. I woke up in 2019, okay. and um, that was when I put my notice in for. Uh, from the foster system and I started doing research um, and it was because I was getting beat up constantly whenever I would uh, say something about a case that I didn't agree on I was written up uh, I had about four write-ups I, I was placed on leave twice and one time uh, it was for three days and it was because I refused to falsify an incident report. And then I was told that I didn't hear them correctly, that I was hallucinating, that I was uh, overworked. And um, I decided that I could not morally work in the system. And then I started, I went on Twitter of all places. I, I didn't have, I'd never been on Twitter and I just put in CPS and all these stories started coming up. And, uh, but the other part I haven't even mentioned yet is that we had quotas. So we were told that if we did reunite kids with their families or if they were adopted, that we had to bring in more kids. And that was a huge, huge uh, thing that didn't set right with me. And so I was very vocal, you know, like, how do I get a new kid? You know, like, because we were told if we didn't bring in new kids, then we were going to be fired. Um, and I and it and then I was called into the office saying you need to stop speaking about the quote against the quotas. Mm -hmm. um, so this is where I really started soul searching. Like, is it just me? Because the gaslighting was so much that I thought, well, maybe I'm not doing my job right. Maybe I'm not doing, you know, maybe I just don't know. And so I started researching and I started printing stuff off. I started printing our notes off. I started um, recording our meetings, but it was more of like a research for like what is going on here. Well, and it sounds like you've, you've done a great job. So when, when did you, uh, when did you hook up with Megan Walsh? Because Meg Megan's had quite a pet. I just, mm -hmm. I was saying last, uh, I, I don't know if you listened to the show last week, but I mean, it was just amazing that she, cause she was her and some of her friends that were commenting on the, in the chat were uh, talking about some of the subjects I've written about in my books. And I've talked about in the Martin preschool scandal, Franklin credit scandal. I'm sure you probably know about all those as well, but this, so this is kind of a big awakening for you. How did you uh, meet Megan Walsh? So I met, so when I went on Twitter, I met I met a group of, of people that were talking about CPS and, and one of them had to be uh, one of them was Pam Olson. 
uh, Terry with Let Our Children Go, um, and then Tony. Um, and then I met another parent and I, and I actually met her in Atlanta while I was working at Elks because I saw her story and I was like, this doesn't look right. I need to, I need to like check her story out. So I actually met her and I started going over paperwork and I was like, this is not right. This is not policy. This is not procedure. And, um, I, I won't say her name because I don't know if she wants me to say her name. But it was through that friend um, that Megan, you know, Megan's story was out there and um, she connected me with Megan. Um, And then I started looking at Megan's case and uh, and then Megan asked me to come on to be her advocate when I uh, was last year. So it was 2022. Yeah, 20 is um, August of last year. And I, I honestly had to take her case because I wanted to see if it, if it was legit or not. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see if Megan was legit. Um, right. So um, I will tell you, she is legit. I was going to say, is Megan legit? <laughs> she <Okay>. is legit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I have been fighting with her caseworkers. We can't talk about it because she does have a gag order. Yeah. Um, but um, I will tell you that Megan um, needs our support. Um, and, so it was basically me just like, I need to see for myself because I needed to see if I was the crazy one or if what I was experiencing was, you know. And now, you know, you're not crazy, right? No, <laughs> I kind of wish it was the other way. <laughs> you, you know, yeah, you know, we're going up against madness. White, White Wolf talks about, I never thought about that. He's talking about the. The, you don't see orphanages anymore. The orphanage is being shut down in the seventies. Do you think that that contributed? Because orphanages have this really negative connotation from going back to Dickens. Uh, do you think that has any, that had any impact on the fact that you don't see orphanages really? I think they turned into group homes. Yeah. I guess maybe they call it something different, but yeah. That's yeah. Good, uh, yeah. Cause that's what basically, and, and KK, you know, she mentioned she was adopted. So uh, that was the other thing I didn't realize was that they, literally the kids that are in care are mostly adopted kids and they usually didn't adjust to their family usually later on a few years and then they put them back in foster john basiglone says that uh, they were doing it for the money and, and he said the ones he's seen are not fit parents to begin with well yeah that's i guess uh, you've probably seen that uh karen says uh, she's seen some Family adopted from a group home, great kids that were in a horrendous situation. And how, what do you, uh, obviously KK is, it looks like she's doing okay now. How is she on mm-hmm. her own? How is she, is she living independently or as 20? Tw- yeah, she now? is. She's living independently now. Um, she lived with me for just a few months until she figured it out. Cause she was honestly like, where do I go? I don't have a place to go. So I was like, well, just come stay with me. And then, you know, she's, she's been a part of my family. So she stayed with my mom and then my brother, you know, she kind of bounced around and, um, she's living on her own now. She has a job, but that was the whole reason we started rescue the fosters. So I guess to what rescue the fosters is about is advocating. We advocate for the youth in foster care. We give them a voice because that's the one thing that they don't have. And that was another thing that I realized in the foster system 
that as a case manager, when I would speak up for the kids, I was even like, well, they're liars. They're just trying to get out of things. So we advocate for them. And then we also, when they age out of the system, offer resources for uh, job skills, interview, you know, like uh, clothing, interview skills, applying for jobs, uh, housing. And then we um, help families navigating this, the foster system. Well, how, how do you get, but how do you get involved? Like as, if you're advocating for the foster children, do they... Mm-hmm. Do they contact you or do you hear about a situation and you try to become involved And in how I'm imagining CPS probably doesn't look too favorably upon you. How do, how do they react to you getting involved? Well, I, I am an organization, a nonprofit, just as they are. So I, I don't really, um, the kids basically are, and we haven't, we haven't had a ton of kids reach out to me. And I think that's because they don't know that we are here. Um, I did meet one child while he was 21. I met him on the streets um, and I asked him how we could help him get off the streets. And he said he needed an ID um, to get a job because he didn't have any documentation. And then we ended up, we actually ended up uh, reuniting him with his biological mother that he had not seen since he was six years old. Um, So we're, we're more about reunification keeping the family together. Uh, and then just, just it's simple things that people don't even realize that when the kids are let um, dropped from the foster system, that they, they don't give them the documents. And then the kids are in survival mode and they don't think through how to get your documents, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, so, Wolf wants to talk more about the psychotropic drugs. What, what is it? So I, I would imagine in foster care, it's probably even a higher percentage. And I mean, now you, they claim it's like one out of 10 kids are on the autism spectrum or something uh, because of the mm-hmm. vaccines. And uh, uh, I imagine in foster care, it's uh, the, the kids that are on some kind of psychotropic drugs. It's probably a huge percentage. Yeah. Am I wrong in that? No, you're right. And that was another thing was that I didn't realize that the majority of kids are placed on psychotropic medication. I thought it was going to be like one or two. And it was more like if they weren't on the medication, then they were doing good. Um, And that was a huge issue I had because um, some of the medications that they're using cause uh, long life, uh, lifelong effects like kidney failure when they're an adult and things like that. Um, Another medication that they use for insomnia is clonidine. And do you know what clonidine is? No, I don't. It's an adult blood pressure medication. Oh, and they give that to them for insomnia? (laughs) Not some right out. Yeah, boy. Well, that's the important thing, isn't it? (laughs) Jeez. Mm -hmm. I hate to laugh, but sometimes you got to laugh because... yeah. It's just, it's crazy. No, absolutely. I'm going to see if there's whatever questions they have. Uh, yeah, Georgie's Heartland Sun says a red state utopia falling. What? I mean, you're living in Georgia. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of things going on there. That's kind of oh, land yeah, of Georgia. A, a, yeah. a land of election uh, fraud and so forth. Oh, yeah. Uh, so what, because I want to give you time. I know you have about seven minutes. Yeah. What? To what what you're doing again? Talk about what's coming up next. What you're doing with Megan, and what are you going to discuss in that uh, three hour? 
presentation? Um, so there's going to be a lot going on. I don't know if anyone knows who Pam Olson is, but she's she's the founder of uh, Save Our Children, and she's been advocating for families for eight years now. Um, so she'll be talking, and, and we are working together to train other people how to be advocates. Um, advocacy, you can actually help families out a lot. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the foster system. Uh, we'll talk about Megan's case as much as we can. We can't really talk about right. details or, or anything like that. Um, and then we'll be releasing the recording. I do want people to hear how this, the case workers um, are spoken to the environment. Um, and people think that this is just like, they kind of like, uh, dance around the conversations. No, these are straight up conversations that tell you to cover for a case. Um, so we'll be releasing that tonight. And then KK wrote a poem, um, that's for the foster youth. That's gonna, she's going to read after probably about the ending. Is uh, KK, is, is is she the only one or you had anybody else from the foster care system that was in there? Has anybody else joined your organization or reached out to you? We had one girl on our show. Her name is Chloe and you can go watch her story. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had some other girls. Um, I, I still speak to a lot of the girls, but a lot of the foster youth don't like talking about their experience. And I think that's how they've been able to control it is that it's hard to talk about your trauma over and over again. So I've, couple, I've spoken to a few. There's a couple of couple questions. That one White Wolf says, could you describe your most memorable case? And then I have a question for you from Rockfin. Oh God. Um, okay. So some of my stories will go on really long, so I'll, I'll try to shorten it. Yeah. Yeah. Try to. <laughs> okay. Um, all of, so I had several cases that shaped my career and the last one was, which is the recording we're going to release tonight was, uh, the last straw. And that was, um, a teenager told me that a foster parent was drinking and driving with him in the car. Yeah. And he did not feel comfortable with her. And then um, the agency told me not to call it in um, that uh, and not to tell the the caseworker. And then when I did, um, they said, no, he just wants to be moved. I did uh, get him moved uh, out of that home by telling the child to tell it in a meeting. And so we were able to move him out of the home. Uh, but uh, they basically just covered for the foster parent and they handled it in-house, as they call it. Um, so it was never investigated. I did call it in, even though they told me not to. I called it in. Um, from what I found out was they contacted the director and the director said, don't worry about it. We're handling it in-house. And it was never investigated. And that was the story that made me leave the system. Uh, Christy wants to know, does the foster system force the kids to be mRNA vaccinated? I realize I'm squinting because I'm not wearing my glasses. So I look pretty stupid on the screen. Sorry, that's because I'm trying to <laughs> struggling to see without my glasses. Uh, do they force them to be mRNA vaccine? 
Well, mRNA, I wouldn't know because I had le I left before the pandemic. When I left, the pandemic okay, so just know. hit. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that the process is that whenever a child comes into care, they're taken and vaccinated. Yeah, and I would say that. Yeah. I would, and I will tell you that they are going to be the ones that are going to be used on these vaccines. Sure. Well, you go back to, well, they didn't have child protective services then, but I, I wrote about in one of my books uh, how they've, they've, uh, they used to experiment on orphans quite a bit, mm -hmm. mental patients, prisoners, and orphans, and did a lot yep. of hideous experiments on it. Okay. I'm, I'm squinting again. But um, so we have a few minutes left. So, and, and I want you to be able to say what you want to say and give uh, whatever links you want to give about your organization, the show that's coming on, the, the, the three-hour event that you're hosting. Anything you want to say? Um, yeah, just get involved in your community. Um, if you see a youth outside and, and they're holding up a homeless sign, um, you know, just you can you can walk up to them and say, hey, tell me your story. That's how I met the kid on the street. I just gave him ten dollars and was like, hey, tell me your story. And he immediately was like, I found my biological dad. My foster parent didn't like it. And now I'm on the streets and, you know, like get involved in your community. Um, if you are or if you're working in a school setting or in a counseling setting and you do have foster youth, coming to you and saying, this is happening to me in the foster home or in the group home, listen to them and research and see if it's check their story out. Don't just assume that because they are a foster youth, that they are lying. And that is how they are perceived that they are lying. And if you believe them, then you're duped. Um, so there are many ways that you can get involved in your community and basically um, be a voice, be a voice for the children. Did, uh, can people, if they want to, can they help financially, uh, uh, rescue the fosters and how would they do that? Um, you can go to rescue the Um, we also have cash app, which is the dollar sign rescue the fosters. Um, if you want a receipt, then we can, uh, mail your receipt and our, um, mailing addresses, um, P.O. Bots, 1635, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. And I can put that in there if you, if you want me to send that to you. Um, well, well, fantastic. And uh, Sylvia Beachy, I really appreciate you being here. I'm sorry we lost KK. You. Give her my best. Yeah, uh, a good luck to you and Megan Walsh. Megan says she wants to come back, so we'll probably have her back on again sometime. Oh, good. Great yes, talking with you. Yes, after this case. Thank you yeah. so much, and thank you for having me on. Well, you're doing great work. Good luck to you. Uh, thank you. You too. Ta take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, we have about ten minutes before we have our second guest. I want to. Lots of people here, and you. And I don't know what's going on with Rockfin guys. I don't. I don't see any of the usual suspects. I'm not going to name them, but there's a usual contingent that's always in Rockfin. I don't see them on YouTube either. So they're either suddenly not listening to my show. Or they all got busy at once, but uh, so I'm, I'm not seeing familiar names. Christy is holding up her uh, end of their. Uh... Okay, I, Christy says, "Can I can I post in show notes the address for Megan Walsh fundraiser?" Oh yeah, she told me before. Dang, she said it at the beginning of the show. Did she say it again? I guess she didn't say it at the end. Ah, yeah, I, I will try to find it. Um, 
Over here, we got a lot of people. Again, uh, Molly Madison, good to see someone in Northern Virginia. I don't get that too often. Um, of course, Felix, Deborah Wheeler, Chris Graves, always here. JK Vibes says, I'm a huge fan. Well, that's very nice of you. Thank you, JK Vibes. Jennifer Whitehouse, Harlan Stonewall, White Wolf, William Hale from Sydney, Australia. Good to see you. Or no, he's, now he says Perth, Western Australia. So he's actually moved to the country. Oh, good to see you out the, from the Outback, William. Uh, let's see who else we have right now. I had somebody else. Elizabeth Peters. Thank you. She listened to me on Tim Kelly. A couple people talked about Tim Kelly. Chris Buckin, of course. And Elizabeth Peter actually discovered me. And it was it uh, White Wolf discovered me through Tim Kelly. And Elizabeth Peters discovered me through Quite Frankly. I hope to be on Quite Frankly again soon. You know, the, the COVID book is very close to coming out. I've, I got the forward from Sherry Tenpenny. So that'll be very soon. And I uh, Quite Frankly has it. I'll be on as many of those shows as uh, will have me. John Bassiglone, Sam Bodie's Tree. See if I missed anybody. Karen Carpenter, I think I said her before. Good to see you. And Vanifly, Vanifly said he forgot about Donald Jeffries. Good to see him. How could you forget me? Well, I'm glad you remembered me and came back. And Stephanie Hughes popped in and uh, and Chris Graves is over in Rockfin too. Uh, LB, my old buddy Vince Agnelli. And I got to post those pictures. Vince and I had lunch again and Vince has a 1966 Chrysler Newport with a, the original paint job. I mean, you got to see this thing. You talk about America 1.0. So he's uh, living in anachronism driving around that thing. But uh, he, I got behind the wheel and he filmed a video. We had to post it somewhere. Maybe he will. And I took a picture of mine there too. We always have a good time when we get together. Let's see. Doing great work. Uh, okay. Thank you, Molly Madison. Chris Graves again. Okay, make sure I didn't say anything. Okay, so lots of people over there. And again, I don't know what's going on with Rockfin's got to get on the uh, on the ball over there. So we have about seven minutes until um, until Charles Pixley comes on. This is a guy who uh, I think had, had, had invented a cure for cancer. And lots of the, he's been a very good supportive, a very big supporter of mine. Very interesting guy. And uh, Sam Bodie says, Tucker should be on a different platform in a month, so I think hopefully you'll get an interview. I think I'll get an interview on Tucker. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's, it's, um, you know, I, as I talk, and again, I, I, I realize how kind of an outcast I am even in the alt, alt uh, news media because, I, I, you know, I, sorry, I, I watch Tucker regularly. Uh, I, I thought it was an entertaining show. It's the only news program I've ever watched regularly in my life. And, uh, you know, I've been watching TV for a long time. I don't watch much of it, but I've certainly, when I was younger, before the internet and everything, uh, that was the only uh, way to get information other than reading newspapers and magazines, which I did. Subscribe to subversive literature, anything I could find, the newspapers like The Spotlight and Continuing Inquiry, which is the JFK assassination Bible for researchers that Penn Jones used to publish and published my first piece. I made the front page of the Continuing Inquiry, I think, in 1983. So that was a I was on top of the world, man, and I did that. But um, I, I realize that you know there's so many people that that don't, and I'm sure we'll be talking about this on America Unplugged probably tomorrow. But uh, you know, it's just I, I I take people at face value until it's proven otherwise. I know that our that the 
there's so many people out there that are compromised and are agents. We know Cass Sunstein wanted to plant them everywhere. But I, I just I don't quite understand why there's so much focus at, 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 in Congress. You see so much focus on Marjorie Taylor Greene, who to me, you know, she's a little wacky, but I would call her the best overall person in Congress, really. I mean, she's the only one that cares about the J6 prisoners. But our world seems to think there's something, you know, I don't, I don't know what you think is askew about her. I don't know. She seems genuine to me uh, as far as any politician can be. Same thing with Tucker Carlson, where he he appears to have undergone a real epiphany where he's apologized. He basically apologized to conspiracy theorists. And uh, if you watch that guy's show for the last couple of years, I mean, uh, 99% of it, you know, I thought he was, he was right on and I could have written a lot of his material for him. And as I said, many times it seemed like he was, you know, reading my books and, and coming and I, I was very close to getting on his show and I know I would have gotten on, for the COVID book, because I think he would have, uh, he would have liked, he would have uh, liked it if I could have gotten his attention. But um, at any rate, he's gone now, and it's it's um, I don't know. Maybe people are happy, but you know, if if he was uh, controlled opposition, which he could have been, then um, you know he's gone now, so they don't have that platform for, to to uh, have him pass this. And I don't know what disinformation when he's talking about things being corrupt and he's. Like, He's uh, saying the government killed Kennedy. I don't know. That's disinformation. It's it's true. Karen Carpenter said ABC butchered an interview with RFK Jr. Yep, I saw that. I, I don't know that they butchered it. I think they purposely did it because the woman came out and said, uh, you know, he was passing on vaccine disinformation. And so they edited it. And uh, I'm surprised he got an interview with ABC to tell you the truth. And I thought he handled it pretty well. Because he said at one point, so I don't know how you, because he they kept harping on his family and, uh, you know, stupid sisters especially that crazy Carrie Kennedy, who's, whose judgment is best reflected in the fact that she married mobster Andrew Cuomo and bred with him. Okay. I'm sorry. You know, they, I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think much of your judgment, but um, he, you know, she said some ridiculous things about him said, why anybody believes him? He's a conspiracy nut. And so of course they were throwing all these things at it and saying, you know, when your own family and I, you know, if I was running for, for a public office, that would be the case here. You know, if your own family, you can't get your own family to vote for you. Well, that's the case in a lot of our families, folks. And uh, he just, he finally said, because he, he kept saying it, and he, he finally just said, look, I don't know how you expect me to answer that. And he said, other than that, I that I, I think they're wrong. You know, and, and she did, she did, it did shut her up. But uh, I thought that was pretty good. Molly Madison, did you see the law against anti-Semitic speech? And flyers are now hate. Yes, I, I, uh, I tweeted about that today and uh, very disturbing because again, that's what I say. We, I, I like David Knight. I go by, uh, you know, the individual act, the individual statement. DeSantis has done some things that I thought were good in Florida in terms of against critical race theory and uh, against some of the stuff, crazy transgender stuff in the schools. Um, he initially came out against the, uh, our war in Ukraine, but then he kind of seemed to backpedal the next day. But so, you know, and I certainly offering to protect Trump from the ludicrous prosecution in New York, prosecution in New York was, I think, a pretty bold move. And of course, Trump being the actor is uh, didn't take him up for it on it. But um, yeah, this is very disturbing because but, you know, we know that DeSantis is at least as beholden to Israel and the Zionist as Trump is. So it's not surprising. But again, you. You for right wingers, you know, you want to you want to think that because yeah, yeah, a lot of you are upset about uh, 
people being censored and you should be, well, it's the same thing if you're censoring somebody else. You can't, you can't have that where you, you say uh, it's a felony and it has anyone wants to be a felony with five years in prison. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, yeah, it's very disturbing. And uh, I, I think that obviously that, uh, you know, says a lot about Zionist power in the, in this country. Yeah, let's see what I missed here. So that's, I mean, those, so those are, uh, that, that was a big story, but Tucker's obviously, I think the main story, but I, you know, I caught, I wrote a Substack on it. Again, if you're not subscribing in Substack, Donald Jeffries at Substack.com, please become a subscriber. And for those of you who might be confused, I have two Substacks. The other one is called Donald's Newsletter. And I, it accidentally created itself when I put a pay option up, when I created a pay option for iProtest. That's my main Substack. I can't get rid of it. And people keep subscribing to it. And people kept subscribing to it even after I posted on there that, please, subscribe to the other one. And some people subscribe to that one and not I protest. And people have tried to give me money on that one. And I can't do it because you can only have one paid thing. And I tried to tell them that. I don't know. They don't get it. So I just said, well, I'm going to use this thing. So I'm using it kind of as an archive. And I'm starting to post um, – old article, the old things I wrote on my blog. And like today I posted, uh, and if you want to go there, you can read a deleted, uh, what I think was the best chapter in Survival of the Riches that they cut out about how people are related to each other. And uh, it really destroys the whole uh, upward mobility thing right there. But uh, you can go there and read that at, the, at my other Substack, uh, Donald's newsletters. You can find it if you go to, I don't people find it somehow. Uh, if you go to donaldjeffries.substack.com, it's the other one there. But uh but on the I protest, I wrote about Tucker, Tuck, Tuck, Go. And that's, uh, you know, that's the one that's getting all the attention. And, and it, the the article I wrote about Tucker, Naomi Wolf is supposed to publish it on uh, Daily Cloud. I didn't see it there yet. They supposedly have 1.8 million subscribers or something. So I hope it, it gets up there. She said it would. So, um Molly Madison says DeSantis was in the Pilgrim site in college. Yeah, supposedly he was, I, I've heard, I heard he was skull and bones. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, again, if you look, and that's what I say, but you look at any of these guys' backgrounds and I really like David Knight's take on it. He's talked about DeSantis when he does something good, I support him. And that's the way it was anybody. If Adam Schiff or, you know, one of the worst AOC, one of the, one of the worst politicians, people that are odious, if they came up with something that was good, said something good or some kind of good legislation, I would go for it. Ilhan Omar has said some things I agree with about uh, Israel and our foreign policy with that. So you, you have to judge an individual. But Tucker, when he was talking about, you know, uh, the things he and he taught, he, he had people on his show that had he had families on that had been injured by vaccines. Nobody else is talking about that. He gave the only platform to Glenn Greenwald. Glenn Greenwald is one of those few liberal classical liberals. Naomi Wolf, my friend, Naomi Wolf. It's the only platform she had. Now she's lost her biggest platform. She and she has to go in the war room with Steve Bannon. Does that does that discredit her? And she's promoting my work. She just wrote a nice blurb for the COVID book. Uh, she wrote a forward to um, to survival the riches. And you know, if you want to get a flavor of the book, go to my Substack and read the delete. It's a long chapter, but it's I think it's uh, interesting, and you'll like it. Uh, but, and it might give you, uh, if you haven't read Survival of the Riches, go ahead and do that. Um, but, you know, does that discredit her? And does that discredit me that, uh, you know, that she's been on Tucker Carlson 
and some, uh, you know, and endorses my work. I mean, it's, that's, that's why I, I think when we play these games, um, Karen Wolf says uh, Naomi was great at Hillsdale College. Yeah, she's Naomi's what, and she's had an epiphany. You know, she married a guy who's kind of a Second mm -hmm. Amendment guy, and uh, things are, you know, she looks at things way differently than she used to. And she said that. I don't know where I'm trying to see where. Uh, see if I have an email from Charles Pixley. He's supposed to be on. Okay, no, not yet. Maybe he's just having trouble getting on here, but I don't, I don't see him yet. That's okay. We'll talk. Keep the keep the questions and comments coming here. We'll go off that. There's plenty of news here. Chris Buckin says uh, law will be selectively enforced. They will never charge any black or no right. Well, and that's true. I mean, that, but that's the way, and that's why all well they'd be wrong no matter what. But that's why any notion of hate speech and it's it's one of the uh, things that is most frustrating for me is how we've lost. We have lost, you know, Pat Buchanan talked about, and again, I, I am a classical liberal, but the country has drifted so far and not even left. It's like going down in terms of culturally uh, and double standards and uh, Orwellian stuff. I mean, the Orwellian stuff is what really gets me. And there's a, I saw that there's a bill and introduced by this uh, Asian representative in the Minnesota, Minnesota legislature. And they were talking about it. And it's again, it's one of these hate crime things where and one of the Republicans is trying to say, well, so if somebody's walking around with this uh, uh, a shirt that says, I like J.K. Rowling, would that be, you know, would that be qualified to this law so you could be charged with a crime? And she wouldn't. She just said, oh, well, we have to talk to the lawyers. I mean, this is uh, it's unbelievable that we've let this happen. I don't know how many of you read 1984 in high school, but. I didn't have to, but I read it on my own. I've read it many times and enjoyed it. Um, but um, it's my favorite book of all time. And it's uh, it's like a handbook for what's happened in, in the decades after we wrote it. It's like they looked at it and said, I mean, we, we hate crime, hate speech is thought crime. And I, I don't care what they call it. That's what it is. And it's increasingly, it's happening over. You saw what happened with Tucker. Again, regardless of what you think of Tucker, AOC goes on there and basically, Chuck Schumer had already basically said, pull the plug on him. AOC goes on there and said this, we can't have this. You know, he's causing violence. And this, it goes along with this speech is violence, which is nonsense. Speech is not violence. That's absolutely absurd. And, uh, but it gets said, and there's no, the Republic cucks, nobody there. Uh, to to counter or not effectively. And that's what Tucker was. He was the most effective counter that had a large platform and he's gone now. And uh, it's, it's, you know, very sad. Chris Graves will have to run down the facts like he doesn't have an, <laughs> okay, Chris, that's your next assignment. Um, complacency guidance is right. I mean, you know, I, I just said, I, I just, you know, I, I I think about this all the time. I look at where we are and I, I realize, you know, go back to uh, the 1970s. I mean, I've been awake since then, folks. I woke up as a teenager, okay? I mean, I was at least to a large degree. When I when I was working for Mark Lane at 18 years old or whatever as a volunteer for Citizens Administrative Inquiry, I was, you know, mostly awake on the JFK assassination, but that was opening doors already. I realized how corrupt the CIA was, the church committee hearings were going on. And... Uh, I realized how bad the FBI was. I knew about CoIntel Pro and all that. I knew obviously how bad 
the wars were, the military industrial complex. So I realized how bad the legal system was and how many people were, had been unjustly incarcerated, how many people were in prison that were innocent. So those are the things. And that's why I joined the ACLU. I was concerned about civil liberties then. And we had way more freedom of speech. I mean, we had pretty much freedom of speech then. Uh, it has become eviscerated. And again, it's it's all from the left. What, what goes for the left is this woke left. And they are they do not believe in free speech at all. None of them. And uh, I don't know. Why Tony did Tony, you did send that's not what I'm you did send Charles Pickley that link, right? Just want to make sure. I'm pretty sure he did. But uh, I'm not sure why he seemed like he really wanted to be in the show. I don't have I don't have any messages from him. So um, but you know, obviously there's a lot to talk about anyhow, but so when when this term and I I, I trace the genesis of this okay i trace the genesis of this um karen says his uncle was her uncle was awake in the 80s a brilliant torture man yeah i i don't know if i'm brilliant but sometimes i'm tortured uh and uh it because it's back then it was really difficult because you know you i was tilting at windmills i mean nobody i mean my but my family seemed to tolerate me more they listened to me i i didn't realize until now i was like god really i had no impact at all because they clearly don't none of them agree with me except again my son who came along and he's thank goodness i have him as a uh, compadre but he's the only one everybody else either tolerates me ignores me or uh has canceled me and i'm talking about my family so i can i can really deal with what our, i understand what rfk jr is saying it's it's very frustrating but again that's i was uh i was reading uh Somebody was talking on a conspiracy forum about uh, white people. And again, all the, all this I'm talking, you know, this is all the fault of white people because we're still the majority in this country. We let this happen. We bought uh, the white women, especially, and I'm sorry, they bought into the propaganda. They bought into the brainwashing, the conditioning. Don't have kids. We have too many people. Redirect your maternal instincts to cats and dogs. And we see how prevalent that is. And, um, you know, you must be responsible. Other groups don't think that way. You see how many large Hispanic families you have? And, and Hispanics, and, and or first of all, they're devout Catholics for the most part. They look upon a potential birth as a celebration, regardless of anything else that's going on, marital status, income. They, they look at it as a blessing, not white people. White people look at it as a curse. Oh, God, my, you know, my girlfriend's pregnant. What am I going to do? Uh, they they never look at it, and that's you, you that's that's screwed up. And you know I'm coming from a city where I looked at it that way too. We all did for my generation, and uh, between that and buying into the uh, this this creeping uh, not socialism because we're not getting anything at it, but this creeping mindset that is that is has resulted in Orwellian stuff where you have. Um, in, in Saturday Night Live, I think it was the '90s, probably the '90s. I think when the Phil Hartman, it was, it was, I, I was one of the few characters on there at the original cast that I thought was really funny, and I think his death was very suspicious. And Chris Gray's probably remembers that's how I discovered Dave McGowan uh, years ago. I was looking up some, I was suspicious about uh, Phil Hartman's death, and Dave was the only other one who questioned it. So that's how I discovered him. But um, 
he invented this guy, politically incorrect guy on Saturday Night Live. That's where political incorrectness came from. And I remember first seeing it, I said, you know, what, uh, you know, what, what the hell is that political? And, and I was surprised how quickly people laughed at it and accepted it. And then it's became in part of the lexicon. And Bill Maher, this odious Bill Maher had a show called Politically Incorrect. And I used to watch it. Uh, I didn't want to watch it, but back then at the data center I worked at, we didn't have internet yet. And, uh, we had a little TV in the uh, the data center, and I would uh, turn it on uh, every night because that was the only thing, the only channel we could get politically incorrect. And uh, he, it was the most politically correct show you've ever seen. I mean, all he did was defend Bill Clinton from every whatever uh, whatever you know scandal was going on. I mean, he claimed he was a libertarian because he wanted to legalize drugs, but um, that was it. But so by that time, political correctness is getting ingrained into the uh oh john bussing was ever since i run nendera conspiracy yes you know that's that book woke up a lot of people and i if you if you ever and i wish more people would read the unreals that's my only novel i've had published my first book um it's 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 written as a young me i wrote it when i was young but it has a lot of my you know fledgling philosophy in it and i think it's pretty creative pretty funny and um that's one of the characters in there who was a community college professor who uh, suddenly went down the rabbit hole. And uh, his, his tagline was off only I'd never run read none dare call a conspiracy. And I actually got that from a right-wing pharmacist that I, uh, who turned me on to right-wing politics back then. He's the one who told me about that. And uh, he used to, uh, so funny. I worked at the hospital then and he would, he would call me and go, hi, Don. I talked like Hugh Beaumont and looked like Hugh Beaumont from Leave it to Beaver, by the way. It's the great, late, great Owen White. And what I did in the, in the Unreals is I just put names, I just put his name in there. And I put, I put other people I were, I put their real names. And I figured they're never going to read it and it's a tribute to them. So, um, so I thought that was cool to do that. And, uh, but he, uh, he used to give me, I probably still have it around here. So many, at that time before the internet, they had these, uh, newsletters and do and i i learned about the spotlight through him he kept giving me you know copies of the spotlight before i subscribed to it i said wow this is pretty cool and uh you know this Bilderberger stuff and all these things i never heard of really um but um you know so there there were there were uh that's the way you had to go at that time to even try to find out about this stuff um White Wolf says they'll give grandpa euthanasia with the but spend thousands for an operation on the golden retriever. Well, I'm golden retriever, it's close to home because I have a a very uh, eccentric but gorgeous golden retriever, Riley. You know, she's she's been on she came on camera once here, but uh, she's distraught today because it's raining and uh, she just shuts down in the rain, so I don't even see her, <clears throat> but uh, so she won't be anywhere near the camera today, but um. And boy, I don't know what happened to Charles Pixley, and he didn't email me either. All right, actually, maybe he did over here. Hold on a second. Let me just check and see. Sorry, guys. Live te- live uh, radio. No, not from him. <clears throat> so I'm not sure what happened. I assume Tony sent the link to him, and I don't know. He seemed like he really wanted to be on the show. <clears throat> but it is what it is. Um, and where was I? So... It, but as you watch these things and, and the the genesis of from political correct from politically correct the concept of that was a short leap from there 
to the concept of hate speech. And I remember when I first started hearing hate speech, I thought, you know, what? what are and again, there was no opposition except people like me. I mean, I, when I first heard, I was probably still working my blue collar job, pulling thousand pound carts around. So who the hell was listening to me? And then later I was a realtor or something. Again, I was ranting and raving, but you know, people were like, again, complacency is what you talk about. Stupidity. Complacency is a kinder word for it, but people just let it happen. The majority let it happen. And, and the, the problem we face now is that the people that were alive then were way more likely to protest than the brain dead zombies we have now. Dan Plemick says, uh, I protest too, Don. You were Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir, on Tim Kelly. I'm glad you like that. Tim Kelly's great. And uh, I'll be back on again soon after uh, the one the book is published, the COVID book. Uh, I'll be doing the round of all the rounds of all those shows. But um, so, and it just, it, it has become ingrained now. The left, everybody on the left, and they just cavalierly throw this hate speech, hate. And, and again, Tucker was pretty good on, you know, battling that. But you, I don't see too many Republicans. In fact, what they'll do is they'll, if uh, when uh, blacks uh, attack whites, which of course we know happens, you know, like millions of times more often than whites attacking blacks, but whatever they do, these conservatives will rush to say, that's a hate crime. No, there's no such thing as a hate crime. Fight the concept. Don't fall into their world. There's no such thing as hate speech. Hate is a human emotion. And it's the it's at the heart of identity politics. Identity politics, which is destroying this country completely. The woke left is built on identity politics. It's 100% emotion. It's not based on reason. It's not based on law. That's why you can't have a country like that. <clears throat> Phil Chris over in Rockman says he... Uh, Posted on Twitter earlier his video of him in front of Phil Hartman's old house and and see it. He's been, he's been publishing a lot. I mean, uh, <clears throat> posting a lot of great pictures of himself uh, in front of Oswald's grave and place like when he made his cross country trek. Very cool. My friend Vince Agnelli says the killing of a culture to replace it with something else. Karl Marx, Emily Durkheim, cut the ties, generational transmission of culture in one generation, launch it. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's and that's what they've done. They've 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 taken anything that's uh, traditional anything and that's that's what this is about when i talk about the transgender thing it's not <clears throat> people that think it's just it's not about sex at all it because if uh if they were just trying to get kids to have sex then they wouldn't need the trans thing they would just have they would just normalize um you know male strippers as males coming in or they would normalize female strippers coming in uh <clears throat> And um, it's, they don't do that. And I, I said before, when you see the transgender story hour, which consists of, uh, you know, drag queens coming in and reading, that if that was, if those were biological strippers or prostitutes, either one that came in scantily clad and shook what they had in front of those little kids, the same women, and again, this is, I'm sorry, and I don't mean to pick on women, but the, this is a, a, if you guys check out a really good show, it could take the place of Tucker for you. Jason Whitlock's Fearless podcast is one of the best out there. And this guy, he's a black guy and he is bold. He's got more balls talking about uh, black pathology and black ghetto culture than any white out there. He's very, very, uh, very, very strong in that. Watch the Fearless podcast. He's, he's, and I, I got to contact that guy because I know we would get along great. Uh, I want to look up here. I missed something in Rockford. I missed a question here. Uh, 
Johnny Leonard says, it's hard to do a show with Billy Ray when you know most of what he says is New York City. <laughs> I don't know that most of what Billy Ray says is New York City liberal BS. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Billy, again, I think Trump is at the heart of that. And I'm sure we'll have an interesting conversation tomorrow because I saw Billy Ray. I know Billy Ray had a show with John Brisson, who obviously feels really differently about, about me than Tucker. But I, I just, I, uh, the way I look at it is, again, and I, I'm not used to being, I'm used to being the, the most cynical person and the most pessimistic person in the room. And my family, you know, they, they would find it hard to believe that, that I'm the sunny, optimistic one. But in this world, in our conspiracy world, I pretty much am one of the most optimistic people I see out there. And so I think what um, Billy Ray's a lot more people that think like he does in terms of that, you know, there's nobody you can trust and that everybody's compromised. And, and you know, most of them are. And, um, but uh, maybe just Tucker did a great job on this and he's very, it's a sincere acting job. But all I can tell you is what, if it was disinfo, it, it were putting out true, dis, I mean, it was, I mean, they were putting out truth. So I, I don't know how that could be disinfo, but I mean, he was talking against war. He was uh, the only, the closest thing we've had to talking, uh, you know, to being skeptical about COVID and certainly the vaccines. He had people on there. He had, uh, some of the same guests I've had on my show, uh, Peter McCullough and people like that. And uh, Naomi Wolf, obviously. So he, you know, somebody that wrote a forward to my book. So he, uh, he was giving a platform to people and he was uh, presenting a perspective that I could agree with. So, you know, whatever, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, what that means, but you know, Billy Ray and I can, I, I can agree to disagree and we'll, you know, we'll, uh, I'm sure tomorrow we'll have a great discussion and, um, and, you know, we can agree to disagree and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe people are right. Maybe Tucker was just a great, uh, a great actor and fooled me. Christy says, uh, do I remember Bishop Fulton Sheen who had a show called Life? You know, Life is Worth Life. Uh, Christy, I don't know how old you are, but my sister, who's 19 years older than me, was. we were talking yesterday, and she mentioned that. And, of course, that was before my time. But uh, I, I don't know if you had it. He had the answer for those who led the usual logical reasons for not having children. Yeah, it was that by putting your reasons above having kids, you're replacing the natural uh, above the supernatural. Yeah. And it's... it's um, Okay, that by putting your reasons above, okay, above having kids, okay, yeah, I mean, again, I think that's one of the primary reasons we're here is to procreate and and to continue the species, and everything. That's what I to get back to what I said about transgenderism. That uh, if it was just about sex, then they would just be saying, okay, they would just try to make it to normalize for for adults to have sex with kids. Okay, but the problem is that doesn't necessarily stop people from having babies at least at some point but if you can sell this idea that boys need to turn into girls and girls need to turn into boys and you combine that with the vaccine you know really wreaking havoc with the uh, both female and male reproductive systems um then what do you have the the and of course you know, we know this is part of the eugenics agenda they're all eugenicists and they want people to die. They want to, they want to kill human beings off. This is their agenda. They've been at it for a century or more. So um, I think it adds up to, you know, the, that this is why they, they have, it's a big difference from having 
pedophiles is obviously as bad as that is. That doesn't, however, that's not twisted enough for them, apparently. Instead, that's why I suggested, and I wasn't, I was, you know, fairly serious. I'm not that Ali Alexander is anybody I know, and, you know, I'm not saying it, certainly what he did was pretty ridiculous, but um, if somebody like that, if he suddenly just said he was confused and he wasn't sure about his gender, I think it would go away. I think, again, the people that are buying this are, are looking at that, that, that once you throw that in there and you throw their stupid terms, Ramal, you know, gender fluid, uh, non-binary, whatever, well, all those crazy terms they come up with that are supposed to mean something, but mean something to them. And they're all Orwell. Every one of them are Orwellian terms. If you look at them, it's like, what, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Um, so that would be, and, and to me, any anybody that caught got caught with an underage kid, and again, I'm not saying, I, I'm not giving them legal advice or hoping they get off, but that would be a defense for them. Just say, hey, look, you know, I'm I'm, I'm gender confused because I, we see what's happening. We saw out here in Loudoun County, the my neighboring county where I uh, worked there, the uh, the parent that was uh, tackled and arrested at a school board meeting for having the audacity to complain to the ridiculous school officials who let a boy claiming who was identified as a woman go into the girls' restroom and rape his daughter. They arrested him. Now, if that if that doesn't tell you where we are as a society. Your daughter is raped in school by a freak. Well, he isn't a freak because he didn't do anything except, I think he's still a guy, obviously has his equipment, but a, a rapist. And the school takes up for the rapist, just like if you see the transgender, the violent, and, and they get violent real quickly, just like Antifa and, and Black Lives Matters. Uh, getting upset at the, at the handful, again, we're the handful of Christian protesters because we don't get out there in numbers. They do. Now, they may be paid by someone. Uh, Karen says she subscribed to Jason at the episode with Kennedy. Okay. Um, I must have missed that. Look up Middle MAGA YouTube. Osiris has a good take on issues. Okay. I'm just looking at that. Um, but so, you know, that that's where we are. When, you, when you're, when you, the, the system and the system defends this madness every step of the way. That's why Republicans, there are no answer. They're talking about business or the marketplace. The marketplace is completely corrupt and it's, and all those businesses are at least as, at least as woke as uh, you know, NPR and any other government agency. They've completely won. The only chance we have is in numbers. John Baskin says, you and Whitlock was a regular show would be huge. You were the cerebr cerebral reserve. <laughs> Whitlock the bold, not spoken. Great compliment. Well, you know what? Um, I'd be honored. And I, when I mentioned the unreals, another thing about the unreals, and I wish more people would check that out, but because I, I, I am a novelist. That's what I am. I have two other novels that are better than the unreals that I can't get people interested in, but the nonfiction, it's great. I'm, 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 you know, grateful that I, I got, you know, I've been more successful at that. But uh, certainly easier to write nonfiction too. But um, in that novel, I invented, uh, I had a, 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 some black characters, I, I called them the Afro-anarchists. They were a trio of doo-wop protest singers. And the leader of the group was Phosphate Jefferson. And I just thought up this kind of ridiculous name, the black name. And uh, I thought it was kind of clever. But Phosphate was my idea of either what I would be like as a black guy or my ideal black person. And uh, Jason Whitlock 
is the closest thing I've seen to phosphate Jefferson. I didn't think I would ever meet one, but he, he really is amazing. Um, Johnny Leonard says, we can't call out a, 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 anyone who hurts a kid no matter what side they're on that we've already lost. No, the, exactly. And, there, and that's, that's the, uh, there's John Henry. There's good to see you. They sold us on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they did, you know, and that's, um, that was my generation too, man. You know, and we, I did my share of them and, but, um, but even that, I mean, that was, you could say that was part of the gradual uh, slide down maybe to where we are. But, uh, you know, if you, this transgenderism thing, and it's so key because it really has, for a long time, blacks were at the top of the, uh, the social uh, justice warrior list the top in the identity politics, there was blacks and there's everybody else. There was nobody even close to them. But uh, I think the transgenders at this point may be uh, becoming number one. And it is, it's the idea that you can't, I don't know if you, uh, again, if you watch the, and again, I, I, I admit that my, I still have a little bit of addiction to pro sports, not much, but it's like a heroin addiction. It really is hard to kick. I've tried, but you know, I've been involved in sports all my life and, so I turned on the NFL draft uh, last night briefly to watch it and just I saw uh, uh, the, the, the creature that sang uh, the national anthem there. And they said like a rising star from uh, Nashville. And I thought, well, they're going to have a country singer at what is 99% black event. And uh, no, it was, it, it looked like that Lizzo kind of, it wasn't, but it was a kind of, it was just, uh, I'm sorry again. You know, I, I spent so much time when I was young actually getting mad that average looking women or at why, why does, how come only, I used to call them honeys. Like, why are only honeys? Why are they always the ones at the top in the journalism field? Why do all the newscasters look like aspiring models? And it used to irritate me. But now I realize, God, this is way worse because they've gone so far in the other direction and they're just, they're celebrating this stuff. And I'm sorry. It's just, there's something, because uh, they're enabling it by celebrating it. But this, this was really, uh, again, it was America 2.0 in, in all its, uh, its glory. But if you, if you want, and if you watch any of these things that when you see them, it's, uh, and of course she had like, I think she had like a, a kind of a crazy outfit. If you watch the players again, who are all black, they're, they're dressing them like in zoot suits. I mean, pimp outfits. I mean, they're wearing like pink, pink suits and wild green ties and, and the craziest hairdos you've ever seen and, and oversized sunglasses. I, I, it's just, it's like they're, they look like they all could have come out of the Biden administration. They are, uh, they, they look like they're all so what, you know, they, they used to have the sideshow. They used to call them sideshow people, freak shows. And they were banned a long time before I was born. I used to read about them and, you know, the bearded lady, the eight foot tall guy, the midget, the guy who was born, you know, but they're fascinating. If you see the Todd Browning's 1932 movie Freaks, which was banned for decades, uh, it features real life. P these people from real life. And it was, um, it's, you know, it's like, it's like watching a train wreck. It's hard to take care of. But now you're looking, if you, if you watch the people that testify before Congress on behalf of the Biden administration, they look like they're all out of that sideshow. And that's what you're seeing on these award shows and things like the NFL draft. It's just, uh, it's hard to take for somebody that, somebody that, that lived in America 1.0 for a long time 
Karen Carpenter says, Tucker was speaking what we perceive as truth. The question some have is why, to what end? Personally, I was glad to hear it. Late and truncated is maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I don't, we can always say, what is the purpose? Does, he, does somebody have an ulterior? All I can do is judge what he said. And I, I, as I said, I was very close to being on there. And I used to tell people, look, if I get on there, am I going to be compromised? Are you, and, and there's so many of you I know out there that don't like Alex Jones. I was on InfoWars Nightly News back uh, to promote Hidden History. Rob Dew interviewed me for 20 minutes. And uh, they, they bought hundreds of copies of Hidden History and sold it in InfoWars bookstore. So does that, does that compromise me? Does that compromise the book? I don't, I don't know. I, I just, obviously, I know I'm not compromised. Harlan says Billy Ray's great. He agrees with most of what he said. Yeah, of course. I think Billy Ray's great too. I mean, we're, we disagree on some things, but uh, Lorraine says, or sell the idea that changing body parts is easy and acceptable. Lots of money invested in transhumanism and transvestites. And, and this, and this is this, the thing that the part that, and the worst part of this all is the medical industrial complex. The fact that these doctors and this, the system, is involved in mutilating these children. Now, I don't care what kind of sexual abuse a child experiences. You know, if they were raped repeatedly by their uncle for five years or something, which is some of them had happens. It's obviously traumatic and terrible. But I would argue that cutting off a, a little girl's breasts or cutting off a boy's penis, I would argue and, and injecting them with you know puberty blocking hormones, deadly substances. I would argue that that's a much higher form of abuse than actually sexually assaulting a child. And that's where we are now. And I mean, I've, you know, a couple of people that used to like me and said, well, I listened to your interview and you're, you're transphobic. Well, you know, yeah, I guess I am. I'm not, well, I, maybe I am scared of it, phobia, but I mean, I, I think it's insanity and I'm sorry. I really do. Uh, Vince says eugenics and depopulation are a large part of sociology. Get a textbook on it. Try the one by Reese. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why if you look and see what these people have been wanting, you know, you can argue about why they want to uh, decrease the population, but they do. I mean, it's, 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 they, they can't stop talking about it. And it's, uh, it's been going on since the days, you know, I talked about uh, Woodrow Wilson, who was uh, one of the first big eugenicists in public life. And uh, he, he started a uh, uh, forced sterilization policy in New Jersey when he was governor of New Jersey, early 1900s. And uh, lots of people, you know, probably disproportionately black, but uh, they, they would look at women who uh, either supposedly were mentally retarded or had some kind of developmental delay, which would probably be half of America today, um, or they were uh, maybe drank. They were considered promiscuous. Um, they came from a family where their insanity ran in the family. All these reasons were used, or maybe they were just too poor, were used to sterilize these women. And this is the eugenicist dream. And uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, devised it. And the, the guy, I forget his name, the guy he, um, he uh, picked to oversee this, this hideous eugenics program Went on, I forget, went on years later, three decades later, he shows up in um, Buchenwald, one of the Nazi camps, said, yes, I, you know, I don't, I, 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 I'm very skeptical about all, everything, you know that. But this guy showed up in there as the camp physician. So, you know, from, from Woodrow Wilson's head of eugenics program to there, it's a pretty strange transition. And uh, 
those are the kind of things you see. And you, you, you we, we know that uh, the great uh, Clarence Darrow, who, again, if you, you want to know how, how history has been written, look at a guy like Williams Jennings Bryan. And I talk about this in Crimes and Cover-Ups in detail, but this was a genuine populist. He was an inspiration to Huey Long. It's the only guy in Woodrow Wilson's administration as his secretary of state who uh, was opposed to World War I. He cared about civil liberties. He made the uh, uh, the Cross of Silver speech back in the day. He was originally with the populists in the 1890s, and he absorbed into the Democratic Party, three-time nominee. And, of course, the American people, even back then, known for their infinite wisdom, uh, he lost all three times. Would have been, obviously, uh, the best president we've, we'd had in that era. But uh, he went on to, if people remember him at all today, they remember him for the Scopes Monkey Trial when evolution was just coming. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, I think evolution is a crock like anything else in modern. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, but, and so do most Americans then, obviously. But they had a trial uh, where a guy named John Scopes was a teacher, was teaching it. And uh, so it went on trial. And uh, Clarence Darrow was the great liberal lawyer who, uh, everybody on the left loves this guy. And you look at this guy's career. He was a big warmonger. He was drooling over World War One. I. I mean, this guy couldn't wait to get into war. He was a eugenicist, not a nice guy, but he, uh, he's a good guy though. You know, and if you watch the ridiculous movie Inherit the Wind with uh, Spencer Tracy portraying him and then you have uh, Frederick March portraying uh, uh, Brian, and, and they put they they smeared him as a Bible thumping fundamentalist. You can see Saturday Night Live doing a skit like that now. Completely inaccurate. William Jennings Bryan was not a Bible, he was a believer, but he uh his his opposition to evolution was based on his opposition to eugenics. He realized that survival of the fittest meant that some people weren't going to be fit. You already had sterilization laws that started. Now we have what we have now. They've they've come in another way to do it. This is this is how it works. They're always coming at it from but they're coming at it from a really uh, absurd Frankenstein angle now. But um, let's see here. Chris Buck and I'm pleasing him. He says you got it. That's absolutely right. Especially in terms of spineless dirtbags. That's why all these. Law and order cuck service like Grady Judd go around arresting middle class white. Well, you know, and that's and that's what it is. It's it's cuck servitives and cucks, and it's uh so I I get so mad now when I look where we're at because I saw it coming. I remember the arguments that I had. I remember during Cl the Clinton years, especially when I just went, it was conspiracy central. And I remember trying to argue with my family and friends about Waco. I mean, they 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 instantly jumped all. Oh, they're crazy. He's a child abuser and all this nonsense that was never proven. And but even so, it's like, do you all they had to do is go knock at his door? What, what, what was these armored tanks and the show of force? And and then they killed the kids. They don't have to worry about being uh, you know abused anymore. And they used they used a, a form of poison gas that was outlawed by the Geneva Convention. So think about that. We couldn't use it in warfare but we used it on our own citizens and killed a bunch of kids and nothing happened. You talk about an impeachable offense. That's the greatest impeachable offense I know of in history to, to, to absolutely to kill, use poison gas and kill a bunch of kids while claiming you're defending them. But, uh, Uh, John Henry says, when you turn 18, chop off whatever. Yeah. None of you want to repeat it. Well, you know, and that's, and that, but I don't blame them, John Henry, because again, it's, it's, it's indoctrination. 
The, you would need years and years of television shows and movies and uh, records, music, comedians who made fun of people who don't have kids, who made, made fun of the of, and, and talked about how sad it is maybe to grow old without having kids. You know, it's but it, it's it's we right now, America, the, the, the people that are uh, that have swallowed all this stuff for decades. They're very much like Moonies. If you remember the Sun, the Sun Young Moon, the Unification Church, uh, where they had to, you know, uh, deprogram them after they got them out of the cult. Americans would have to be deprogrammed. That's where they are. I mean, when when you we're coming off three years here, folks, where I, I still see people out with their masks on, and I just want to, and still see people driving by themselves with the mask on. I mean, that's deprogramming there, and and the fact that people. They don't blink. I haven't seen one person that I know that's finally said, uh, well, you know, okay, I got two vaccines, I got two boosters, and I've got COVID twice. That the little light bulb didn't get off on their head. But never, never. They just keep doing it. And they'll buy the next one too, because this one sold so well. We're outnumbered in that terms. But there's still millions of us. And if we got together we could do something, I think. But, and that's why I try to, to give hope to anybody like Tucker Carlson or even Elon Musk. I'm still shadow banned over there. But I hold out hope for any of these people that Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that maybe there's an ounce of sincerity in them. Maybe. Probably not. But maybe there is. Um Chris Buckin says he saw a video earlier today of some cops in Milwaukee fighting with this black guy and begging him to get on the ground and running away like pussies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that's, it, look, I, I, I know, again, going back to the 70s, 80s, I knew a black guy that, uh, you know, who wasn't, wasn't even really threatening at all. But yeah, he scared him. He took, he took the cop's gun from him. You hear that all the time where the black guys just take the guns from. It, it, it is. And they take their aggression and rage out on some middle class, you know, old white guy or a young skateboarder kid. We've seen it over and over again, and it's uh, it's it's very it's very sad. But again, that's why I hope people know at this time they don't seem to. But I hope you've all finally realized by this point that the police are not on your side. I don't know why I'm even checking my email now at this point. Yeah, he still didn't. I don't I don't know what happened to Charles Pickley. So Pixley, we'll have to try to get him on, but I I don't really know uh, what happened there. But anyway, we're having fun discussing all this. There's lots here to discuss. Let me see what I got. You guys are keeping the comments coming. Any government agency these days, self-reliance initiatives, persecute. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Molly Madison says Rachel Levine. Yeah, absolutely, boy. <laughs> so if you talk about whoever it is, uh, Alex Jones, uh and, you know, my shows are going up on the band.video uh, platform now, too. So does that does that discredit me? I have people tell me originally, well, that's not why isn't that good? It's potentially you know, mil, I don't know, I don't millions of people see it. It's helped Charlie Robinson out and shout out to Charlie because he's the one that got me on there, helped get me on there. Uh, but and we have to help each other. But the idea is to get it's you know, I'm not gonna change wherever I go. If Rachel Maddow asked me to be on her show, I would go on. Why wouldn't I? Because first of all, I'm gonna be confident enough in myself that, you know. She's not going to be able to make me look stupid. And secondly, it's a potential huge audience. And maybe that's why I talk all the time about preaching to the choir. 
that's why we need to reach out to people like Tucker and people like that, or, uh, and, uh, that even uh, Laura Ingram, who asked me on her show, you know, a few years back and took, took the invitation back and like an hour later after I told the entire world, but who knows that could happen again. And, you know, <laughs> if she had me on the show, that, that would obviously help me out. It would help get some truth that I'm saying, hopefully you think I'm telling the truth. And that's what it's all about. It's that we can't, if we're going to just think that everybody is a disinfluence, everybody's controlled opposition, which it, it maybe it's true. That could be true. But then what are we even, what are we bothering for? Why am I even talking about all this stuff? Then it's absolutely hopeless. And I, you know, I should just go move to some isolated spot and go completely off the grid. Um, White says we need a new, new deal called no deal. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have a lot more about the New Deal in, uh, in uh, the next edition of Hidden History. Catherine Austin Fitz said Tucker is the only mainstream anchor to have her on in 20 years. She expected to be canceled, but he, yeah, there you go. And that's, that's Catherine. And Catherine, and Catherine Austin Fitz, I, maybe some people think she's controlled opposition too, but I, I've heard, you know, most people seem to respect her. That's what I'm talking about. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, it was very possible that I was going to get on a show. I don't know what people would have said about that. Would I, I, get, I would have said the same thing if they told me when I came on, you can't talk about, well, first of all, I'm going to be talking about my COVID book. So you're, whatever's in it, I'm going to talk about it, whatever you want to know. Um, ben says, Operation Paperclip turned an Operation Paper Hanger. Well, it's, you know, same with Reagan in Iran on and doing it. Yeah. And Reagan was the, uh, Reagan liked Trump. If Trump had been fair, he would have done all he could do. And that's, I said, you know, Trump was was our final hope. I said at the time, I said he was going to be our last Republican president. I think that's looking pretty good. And uh, he may be our last, you know, actual president if he even was one, because I don't know what the hell Biden is. But, you know, he had four years. And that's why the people that still support him, they still, they just... <laughs> I just, I, I say, if only he'd had four years in office, because they'll say what he's going to do, what he's going to do. Yeah, he's, uh, John Henry loves the no deal. Tear it up, Don, John Henry says. Thank you. Well, I'm doing my best. But um, unfortunately, people get, and that's why I say, when I'm talking about uh, Tucker, you know, as far as I know, for, of his past, he was kind of a, a libertarian, quasi-libertarian. He wasn't a, he wasn't the worst person on the media even back then, but he was he was kind of harmless. He as far as I know, he didn't do other than the time he bickered with the 9-11 people and called them wackos and everything, but they all did that. And I think he's, you know, he's got a different mindset now. I really do. And uh, maybe he doesn't, maybe it's all show, but uh, with people like Reagan and Trump and people like that, these are people you can evaluate on. You can evaluate what they actually did. Tucker, I mean, he, he talked and he had he had a lot of guests on that nobody else would have. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just look at his record. I think it, it was pretty good. If it was all fake, it was a damn good fake. And he was a damn good actor is all I can say. And because uh, he did, you know, he, he was very smooth. Uh, Lorraine says the transvestites, great subjects to you since they're so emotionally screwed up in our acceptance. They'll take any drug surgery from his yetis. Well, yeah, they are. And that's the thing is that you, and you're talking about somebody that loved Dr. Thomas Zaz when I was young. I read The Manufacture of Madness, The Myth of Mental Illness. And there's a lot of that. 
there's a lot of people that get pigeonholed because they're eccentric. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a very slim difference between a fine line between a rich guy that who's wealthy enough to be called eccentric and somebody who isn't wealthy, who's called weird or mentally ill or disturbed. And that's what they used to do to people. But, you know, and as bad as mental institutions used to be with lobotomies and electroshock therapy and all that, and we've seen one flew of the cuckoo's nest. And uh, I saw some of that, you know, working in the hospital, seeing the what, what went on in psych. But um, some people need help. There are some mental illnesses. And you're seeing, I would say, probably the vast majority of, of uh, the people that are homeless have some kind of mental illness, although... All of them, I'm sure, have a really dysfunctional family because I think that's how it gets to that point where they don't have a family support structure. So I think we certainly need to have uh, not institutions, but we need to get those people back off the streets. And that, that would be my big social program. And, and believe me, you could do these things because you could, uh, you could save, as the Grace Commission found back in the 1980s, and Ronald Reagan ignored them like he ignored everything else. He found that... Um, uh, they found that one third of all government spending is complete waste. That was then. So it's probably even worse now. So you get a 33% tax cut, 33% spending cut, boom, right off the bat. Um, you do, you, you look at the, the budget of the Pentagon, you look at the CIA and the FBI and you, you, as long, as far as I'm concerned, you know, get rid of them. You look at FEMA, get rid of it. FEMA has no reason to exist. They, they do nothing but screw things up. They're, they're invisible when they supposedly need them. In an emergency, they're invisible. If they do anything, it's the wrong thing. Uh, let's see what Chris Buckin says. It was, not, it was molesting the kids or whatever. That's not the ATS peer review. It was something you could... Exactly. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting, Chris, that if David Koresh was... I know I'm dancing around from subject to subject, but that's what I do. <laughs> you people know that. Um, even if David Koresh was abusing those kids, you're right. It's not, that's not the, what they did. They killed those kids. So they don't have to worry about being abused anymore. And they killed other people and lost some people themselves in the process. So it was, uh, now anybody, and I actually had somebody, uh, I don't know, last week or something, seemed to be defending Waco. And I say, yeah, what? I don't know what you're talking about here, man. I, I, I haven't, I haven't talked to anybody, uh, you know, like that. I left my, no, it, 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 uh, Vince says I left my glasses. It, it's, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to have to start wearing glasses when I was, well, the problem is especially because Rockfin, it's kind of the, that computer's over there. So I really have to kind of squint to see. So I'm sorry about that. Um, Karen Carpenter says, television has done more damage than we can comprehend. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, and it's, it's a shame because, you know, TV could be such a great medium and uh, great invention, obviously. The internet, I think, is the greatest invention, uh, you know, ever, since the light bulb. Um, Elizabeth Peters says she passed the guy in the hall today wearing a mask. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to find hope when you see that because you look at these people and you're thinking, you know, God, I mean, <laughs> you know, your your uh, your beloved Joe Biden has claimed that it's over on May third somehow. I don't know how, but and people are still buying it. And they'll buy the next one, and there's going to be a next one, definitely. Lorraine says, uh, scientific mind control, absolutely. P 
people are deprogrammed into thinking that there's a climate emergency to you. And that's, that's certainly part of it. Again, and how many people have bought that? Cli young people, especially if you, you get like young high school girls and you ask them, what's the biggest problem today? And almost every one of them will say climate change, or we need to protect, or we need to protect the planet. Nonsense like that. They're just uttering crap that they've heard, uh, you know, from some stupid celebrity who's flying around in their private jet. Karen says she figured out the damage television did to the culture of morality long before she woke up. Well, that's good. I don't know when you woke up, Karen, but I'm glad you're here. And Karen also says humans need hope. And that's exactly my point. Whether it's anyone, I, we need heroes. That's why maybe why I cling to this Kennedy fanboy stuff, you know, that uh, we do need to look up to something because if, if they're all compromised and no matter what, it's one thing because they're outnumbered. Obviously, that's true. And that every honest person, we know that if Donald Trump had been sincere, he would have had a hell of a time getting anything done because he was outnumbered. Uh, we know that RFK Jr., if he got in there, would be outnumbered. It would be very difficult for him. But it's we don't want to believe that every one of these people are compromised and that they were phony, they were playing a role. Obviously, I believe Trump was. But... Um, I know millions of people don't and, and still believe in him somehow. And uh, and if you saw, I don't know if you saw his latest thing where he, I mean, the guy is funny where he, but he, he's like a 10 year old and uh, he was on stage and he, he did his impersonation of Joe Biden walking around, not knowing where he was. I mean, you know, it's hard not to laugh at that. And there's a certain attraction there. Uh, Lorraine says, uh, the algorithm of social media, blacks attacking whites or whites feeds and vice versa. I, I didn't, well, that I, I, I wouldn't surprise me. LQB, for the record, BRB is awesome and he bring up good points in his Tucker arguments and I don't hate Tucker, but I don't trust him overall. LQB said, well, there's a Billy Ray fan. Cool. Uh, well, I'm sure tomorrow we'll be discussing it. Um, it says the enemy knows that. That's how they fill the equation of problem, action, solution. Actually, and that's what problem, action, solution is everywhere. Vince says, back in the day, I would have passed on going on her show if she just asked me. <laughs> I assume you're talking about Rachel Maddow. Hey, you know, look, uh, I don't turn anyone down. I've, I've said many times before that the only interview I've ever turned down I respond to every invite, which why it pisses me off that some of these YouTubers that nobody else has heard of that I'll are bloggers. I'll ask, I send message to have them on my show, and they just ignore me. It's, it's you know it's very frustrating because I never did that to anybody. But uh, there was an anarchist early on uh, when I just written Hidden History that wanted me to swear an allegiance to anarchy and said I was an I couldn't do that. Although now I might go on there too because I have no argument against anarchy anymore. I said that before. The anarchists, I'm not saying they're right, but I don't have much of an argument for them. What, what authority is there to respect? Chris Gray says, Linda Carter for me, Wonder Woman, baby. Yeah. There you go. Arlen says, not all the cops that are corrupt, but there's a definite role. And, and that's what the, the system is. And it's like anything else. The, the Not all the cops are corrupt, but all of their superiors are because they always defend the cops unless there's too much pressure on a racial thing or something. And nobody talks about, it. I'm, I'm the only one out there talking constantly about the, uh, uh, the policing for profit and the, uh, the uh, asset forfeiture stuff, which is at the heart of all this. 
People don't understand that law enforcement has stolen you know, millions of dollars, maybe billions, I don't know, over the decades from law-abiding citizens. And I say law-abiding citizens because they're usually just related to somebody that was accused of a drug offense or something. I mean, parents have, have lost their houses because their dumbass teenage son sold a, 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 an ounce of pot to his friend in his bedroom. I mean, that's how can anybody think that's wrong? That's right. Supreme Court has upheld the right, like they upheld the right there. The poor woman who, I think back in the 90s, who uh, her husband uh, cheated on her with a prostitute in her car. So she naturally objected to that when they took her car because it was the scene of the crime. She says, wait a minute, you know, I, I didn't do anything. She took it all the way to the Supreme Court and the infinite wisdom of the Supreme Court who almost always get it wrong because they're representing a establishment that is totally corrupt and is uh, is they're basically you know governing with tyranny so they have to support that tyranny they ruled that no she didn't have a right to get her car back so think about that your spouse can cheat on you in your in your car you did nothing wrong at all and they take your car your son can sell drugs in your house small amounts doesn't matter they take your house they've taken large amounts of cash it's 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 reprehensible and no one talks about it and Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions is first attorney general they they were they wanted to give even more power for uh, asset forfeiture. Chris Graves likes uh, Chris Graves loves those '60s babes, huh? Julie Moore Lumar is still around, so is Linda Carter. Julie Newmar is probably eighty or so. Let's see what I'm missing here? Oh, Dr. Roberts gave me so many new. Just a note to say thank you, Don, for your books and this channel. Much appreciated, Dr. Roberts. Thank you very much. I love seeing new people. I appreciate you being here. I hope you'll check out my new book that's coming out very soon. Uh, and that will be uh, Masking the Truth, How COVID-19 Destroyed Civil Liberties and Shut Down the World. And I apologize for the squinting. God, I don't want to wear my glasses on air, but it's getting harder here. Um, Linda Carter was probably Zignab Casimir's Brzezinski's sex slave. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think she is a flaming liberal in real life like most of them. Um Karen says, yeah, get a chance to reach a new audience. Go for it. Just be careful. I will be careful. And I always, I'm always, because that's what I tell people is, you know, that's why YouTube was so important and why I want to stay on YouTube is because that's where you can maybe reach some new, some people who aren't awake. Maybe they come by and, hey, I, I kind of like what that guy's saying. On all the other platforms we're on, certainly on here, I mean, maybe, well, but, uh, you know, maybe on YouTube, somebody will come by. I'm preaching to the choir. People know. In fact, I'm most of the time I'm told that, ah, you know, come on, you're, 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 you're wimping out, you know, be stronger, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, what I'm trying to be as much as I can, but I'm also trying to, uh, you know, to, to, to get the truth out to people, but I also want it to be palatable. And I, I'm also thinking of normies out there. I'm trying to convince them. Um, Karen says she knows the germ theory thing and take into account. So people don't go there. Yeah. I mean, there's people that don't believe in the germ therapy again. I, I listen to all sides. John Baskin says he softened my opinion on Tucker to agree. Hopefully throws caution to the wind and comes clean from the USS Maine to 9-11 to Trump. Well, I think he already is there. He didn't say Trumpenstein, but he, uh, he, you know, he never, I don't think he was ever a big fan of Trump really. That's which, which made his recent interview with Trump kind of strange that they picked him. Uh, rules of engagement. Absolutely, Dr. Roberts. I saw that back in the day. Yes, absolutely. And uh, there were some good things made about it. And I, I wrote a lot about uh, hit, uh, Waco, 
and all the other crimes in the 90s and uh, hidden history. Uh, how's Q Don going to accomplish the stuff he refused to do this time when he had all three brands? Exactly. He had, you know, people forget he had, but just like Biden does, he had but the first two years. He had both houses of Congress. He did nothing. Let's see what we got here. What am I going here? We're running out of time. It's as many as we can. Lost my reading glasses this morning. I found them in the refrigerator. Well, <laughs> I have them. I'm just too vain to wear them, which is ridiculous. Um, Peter's LB Bruins. If Trump would not have been outnumbered, he would have had the support of 60 main right. Yeah, I mean, if tr Trump, again, Trump was our last chance. You're never going to see a guy in the White House, you never saw one before, never said, that was saying the things he said, saying the things he said. And again, what did he do? That was the difference, as I tell the supporters all the time. But he, I voted for him solely on the topic of immigration because he made that such an issue. I said, maybe he'll do something. He did nothing. He deported fewer people than uh, fewer illegals than Obama. And that's that's hard to do. And it's hard to, you know, for people to excuse that, but they still do. This time he will. Okay, no, no, this time I don't I don't think so. Uh Trump also read a long list of supporters before his Biden impression. I'm waiting for him to make fun of RFK's voice. Yes, Karen. He will be the first one to make fun of RFK Jr.'s voice. I'm sorry, Roger Stone. You wrote the forward to one of my books, but Trump will never have RFK Jr. as his running mate. It would make too much sense. It would get him too much support. He won't do it. He never does the right thing. Just like I knew he wouldn't stay in Florida under protection of DeSantis. He had to march up to New York. And now he's being charged. I didn't get to talk about that briefly. He's being charged with rape. That's a civil case by some crazy woman who's accused 12 other men of raping her over the years. It's some kind of a romance novelist who's talked openly about how rape is a fantasy. And she, just much like Kavanaugh's accuser, she can't remember the date. And what does dumbass Trump do when he's asked? Again, how this is in court is beyond me, but he will lose because he always loses. And certainly in New York, he will. He, uh, he was asked, like, did you do it? And instead of what any of us would do, no, it's a lie. Of course not. He says, oh, she's not my type. What? That's Trump. That's Trumpenstein right there. I'm sorry. That's an actor. That that is not the kind of thing that somebody would uh, would say if they were real. Don Jeffries, an angry tiger, joins me and Tom Cooper tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern time on conspiring with Mr. Cooper. Right on. That's right. Thanks for reminding me, Chris. We got that going for us tomorrow too. So we're just about out of time. I have to end the show myself with no music. I'm sorry, I don't happen to Charles Pixley. I have to kind of thanks to everybody, all your great uh, comments and questions in the chat room. You make it a lot easier if your participation. Thanks everybody in Rockfin as well. Uh, next week we're going to be talking. If those of you have heard of Rob Skiba, who was a flat earther, but he was kind of in our world. He did podcasting. He died very under very similar circumstances to my brother. So his family got a hold of me. I'm going to have his wife on and the lawyer, and they're talking about what they're doing there. So it should be a great show. And that one we'll have to take down from YouTube, I'm sure. <laughs> but this one could probably stay up. Anyhow, thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for joining me. And uh, we'll see you next time on I Protest. <laughs>